Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. I'm very happy to have with us in the studio today all of the people who make the Lizzie Bennett diaries. Um, right? Well, Th- this is it. Basically the writing, <laughs> it's basically the writing team. Um, um, sans well, a few people. Let's, let's go around and introduce yourselves, uh, starting to my left. Uh, hi, I'm Bernie Sue. I am the co-developer, executive producer, and head writer and showrunner of the series. Um, that's who I am, and that's what I do. And that's what your voice sounds like. <laughs> yes, and this is what my voice sounds like. Um, hi, I'm Kate Rorick. I'm one of the writers, and I'm the consulting producer on the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. My name is Margaret Dunlap, and I'm a writer and co-executive producer on the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. I'm Rachel Kylie. I wrote stuff for the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. <laughs> you have a producing credit, too. I don't remember what it is, Co-producing. Though. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. We're very hung up on our titles on this show. Really? Yeah. And I'm Jay Bushman. I'm uh, on the writing staff, and I'm also the transmedia producer for the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. Cool. Thank you guys for being here. Um, let's let's get right in. And, and first of all, someone tell the audience in case they don't know. And I can't imagine there is anyone who listens to this or who is even on the Internet who doesn't know what the Lizzie Bennett Diaries is. Sure. It's basically the online uh, adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, told in modern day through primarily YouTube vlogs with a very... Uh, large transmedia component. Uh, the, the story bleeds through and, and transcends across, um, of course, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. Um, we go on Lookbook and Pinterest. And, I mean, we use a lot yeah. of platforms. And um, yeah, uh, it's, it's it breaks the fourth wall. So it's an inter- it's, an, it's an interactive series. Uh, you can talk to the characters, and they may talk back to you. And we just wrapped up our 100-episode um, series uh, with 150 total in-world videos across all, all platforms. Uh, and I would say that we are the longest version of Pride and Prejudice in history, <laughs> um, which is kind of cool. If you're a quick reader, you can get through the book before you do <laughs> What are we, show. nine and a half hours? Nine and a half. I think yeah. nine, all total videos, nine and a half hours. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just... That, but that said, like, each piece is goes down so easy and is very short. And, like, you know, you can watch d- dozens of them in an afternoon and you don't realize the time that's going by because, you know, there you're be- immersed in this world. There are people who have watched all 100 in one day, and that's impressive because that, the 100 is seven and a half hours. Sure. So mm. that's a... That's well, marathoning a TV show. Well, they're all kind of weird <laughs> on the internet. Um, so my, my first question, and even when I first heard about this um, from Jay, like when before you guys like even started, ago, yeah, yeah um, is why Pride and Prejudice? You know, like there are awesome. so many books out there, but you know, Hamlet's awesome too. Well, Hamlet's but shorter. <laughs> yeah, and and bad things happen in Hamlet. And nothing bad happened in Lizzie Bennet. Yeah, <laughs> awesome things happen in Hamlet, man. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't it wasn't our choice. It was our um, the co-creator, our co-developer, Hank Green, who I notice is not here. Yeah, he's in Montana. You know, doing things. Uh, but I mean, it, it was it was him and, and his and his wife's uh, idea to do Pride and Prejudice, and it was a good pick. I mean, like you mm-hmm. take a novel that's that's that has a, a massive fan base out there, I think, you know, a, a feverish one. I don't know if Hamlet quite really, instead of a novel, but I don't know if Hamlet has that. Um, do you, you think so? All right. All right. I, I'm, sure. I'm nodding my head, yes. Okay, okay. She yes. is the rabbit fan base of Hamlet. <laughs> Hamlet. Yes. But, but Pride and Prejudice definitely has a rabbit fan base, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it, it also plays to one of, one of the things that isn't really being served on YouTube or wasn't before we came along, which was the young female <laughs> demographic. I'm not saying, we'll say the young... Um, I don't know what, uh, edu- edu- uh, bookworm? Literary. Literary, or? yeah, I guess. <laughs> bookworm. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, a book nerd. I mean, I mean basically, no, I, I, there's... It was definitely an underserved demographic. Yeah. Sure. We'll, we won't say that we were the first people to ever say, hey, girls, watch your videos on <laughs> right. the internet. But, but and there's a differentiation when you, when, you, when you talk about the business, when people think of advertising to young women or making content for young women, they always go beauty and, and, and fashion, which is fine, but that's not every woman. So it, it, it was we were serving an underserved demographic for sure. And there's also the aspect of you know we, you have conversations about oh we're going to do Pride and Prejudice and 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 there are some reactions of like oh well why you know why would you want to do that it's old you know people don't like being forced to like 
PC classics and, and you know, <laughs> the response is, well, you know, you can look at it as a classic that you were forced to read and that maybe you don't really connect with, or you can look at it as a blockbuster with a 200-year track record. Sure. And, Absolutely. you know, there have been generations upon generations that have connected to this story, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to find the way to make today's generation connect to it. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it seems, like, it seems to me like it also, this story in particular uh, of classic literature that we were forced to read in high school, is uh, it pushes the buttons of, you know, the soap-watching public now, from, you know, and soap including things from Lost to Nashville, uh, this kind of stuff where you can immerse yourself in the world well, there's and a, get I involved think with the character. There's a case to be made that... that most modern romantic comedies are the form itself is descended from Pride and Prejudice. Mm. So even if you haven't read the book, even if you weren't forced to read it, mm-hmm. or if you haven't seen one of the many movie or TV versions of it, most people actually implicitly get it because they've been exposed to so many descendants of it that it just feels natural. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the book itself does feel modern despite being 200 years old, like you said. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the story... You know, the story translates. Uh, you were going to add something. Well, I was saying, um, you know, why Pride and Prejudice? I know when Bernie initially approached me about the project, we were just, you know, meeting for coffee, and he's like, yeah, I'm working with this guy, Hank. He's in Montana, has an idea to take, you know, literature that's in the public domain, and we'll do it, like, in a vlog-style thing. I'll be like, oh, so you're going to do, like, Pride and Prejudice on YouTube <laughs> or something? And he goes, yes, that's exactly what you're doing. And then he offered me a job, so... Um. <laughs> Well, I mean, just connecting right to it. Like, the first book she goes to is that right. book. <laughs> Any book she goes to, she could have gone anywhere. And that's sure. She picked. So I think it's, it just, it just, it's a testament to the, to the source material. Mm-hmm. It was intuitive to at least one person. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm curious about this, actually. What, what was, from each of you, your relationship to the source material before you started actually writing on the show? Um, well, I'll say that I read Pride and Prejudice when I was 15, and I waited a long time for Mr. Darcy to show up thereafter. Um, I, it's so de- romantically formative. <laughs> it's definitely my favorite book. And, I mean, it's formative in um, how I approach my writing career. I mean, I write romance novels as well. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously uh, a huge influence on me. But I will You write Regency romance novels. That's true as well. <laughs> Um, but I, I think that it's uh, it's it's a great story about um, about being a modern woman. Even though it's two hundred years ago, it's about being a mm-hmm. modern woman two hundred years ago and being a modern woman now, and your relationships with your family and um, how you approach the world. So I that's how it speaks to me as mm-hmm. a person. Sure. Mm-hmm. How about the rest of you guys? Did you not read it? Have you still not read it? <laughs> I'm waiting for someone else to answer. (laughs) (laughs) That is true, isn't it? You have not read it. (laughs) I'm not going to answer that question. (laughs) You are welcome, the internet. (laughs) Broke this story wide open. Whoa, Um, There is nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Well, actually, I think it's it's good to have an outsider, you know, someone someone who hasn't. Someone with a little distance from the material. I, I mean, I think I read it first in high school, I don't barely remember it because I just mm-hmm. didn't connect to it as, as, as a sure. teenage boy, you know, and then um, it was my mother's favorite book, and so then when the, when the offer to, to, to do this project came aboard, it really was about the challenge. I mean, like I've said it publicly, it's not because I love the book so much, it's because it's it was felt like such a cool challenge, and mm-hmm. I, I also wanted to honor my, my mother's favorite novel, I guess. Um, and then the, I, I could just ima- I was like imagining like oh my god if I screw this up I'm gonna just like do this forever <laughs> every Thanksgiving it's like how could you screw up right and this. Um, so it was, that, that was my connection to it. And I think I, I mean that, I even helped you know just Hank and I when we started because Hank and, and his and his wife Catherine were so connected to it. I was even able to distance myself from the material. I'm just I can like challenge the the, the adaptation more and go like, well, it is this. Uh, I've proposed we just kind of do this, and and it's kind of connected. Uh, how do you feel? And so, uh, it, it really spurred a lot of the modernization choices that we did. Is because I think well, it spurred it for me because I was so disconnected to it. Like I wasn't like precious to like, oh sure. yeah, um, it has to all be about marriages and proposals and everything. And I think even some of the purists still to this day who 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 watch our series. Are, are appalled that that they don't, we don't end with marriage spoilers. We don't end with all marriages. I think it's, <laughs> I think spoilers are okay. Yeah, for years. Yeah, well, I, I don't pause like, the podcast. <laughs> come back nine and a half hours later. You know, but like like there's a lot of marriages that happen in mm-hmm. in the original novel because that's the that's the right. era, and there are not very many 
if any, that happen in ours. Yeah. And and that would that I think bothered. I'm sure bothered some of the purists for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to be a purist going into this. You know, you have to expect that this is going to be something different. Um, but I want to talk about. Uh, when you guys first approached the material, um, and it's interesting hearing about what you responded to mm-hmm. just from the novel and, and pulling out those themes uh, and what elements that uh, you guys decided this show is going to be about. Well, I, th- I mean, one of the modern choices right away we did was, was uh, again, going back to the marriage thing because mm-hmm. of the era and, and women's rights and things uh, back in the 1800s. When you modernize that, you can't make it all about finding the perfect husband or finding a husband or settling down or whatever you know, those things are. So it's it's kind of finding the 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 modern context of what it is to marry for security, mm-hmm. you know, um, back then, and versus married for love, which is one of the big big choices in in the, in the novel. So um, it was one of the easy places to do that was Charlotte. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the character mm-hmm. Charlotte, mm-hmm. and 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 just making it not about. I mean, you talk about. Uh, how the novel was about a modern woman, right? Now, in modern times, today, like, you know, women have a lot more choices in, in, in life and their careers than just marriage. Uh, and sure, they've had, had choices back then, but more so now. And so not making it all about love and marriage was, was important to me. I mean, I felt like it was important to all of us to mm-hmm. just, like, it's not about the guy. It's not about, right. you know, these guys. I mean, yes, it, it, that's the the inciting incident in the story, in the novel, it's like these guys come to town and everybody gets all feverish about it. Mm-hmm. But really quickly, we kind of um, set that it's not all about the guys. Mm-hmm. And if anything, the more it's about the guys, the more it annoys Lizzie, <laughs> who's being a modern character, mm-hmm. and some of the other characters as well. I think mm-hmm. it's just fulfillment and happiness is not based around who you marry. Mm-hmm. It's it's based around, you know, what, what are you going to do with your life and how are you going to build... Uh, the life that you want, mm-hmm. essentially. And even looking at the original text, I mean, you know, it is the, the template for the modern romantic comedy, but if you look at it, it's not all about love and romance. Like, it's about relationships, it's about money, it's about social commentary. You know, Jane Austen wasn't writing a period mm-hmm. romance. She was writing a modern book. And, you know, when we talked about how are we going to do Charlotte and Mr. Collins, it's like, well, we have Mr. Collins offers Charlotte a job, hmm. which is, hmm. when you look at the book, basically what he does in the book you know she agrees to become his domestic engineer right and she'll never go hungry and she'll always have a place to stay and they work things out very nicely the same way that our charlotte mr collins Mm -hmm. does but that you know is very easy you know it's very nearly a one-to-one relationship like more than some of the romance required more adaptation than something Mm -hmm. like that did domestic engineering i like that (laughs) there was also a, a big thematic change that that was fairly dictated by our, our choice of formats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the, the original title of uh, Pride and Prejudice was First Impressions, and it's all about Lizzie's first impression of Darcy and the process of that changing over the course of the story. But because mm-hmm. we're doing not just the YouTube vlog, but all of these characters who get to have their own voices, mm-hmm. uh, we had to come up with a version of the story where you heard... Lydia speaking from her own point of view. You heard um, Charlotte speaking from her own point of view, whereas in the original, everything is pretty much filtered through Lizzie and Lizzie's perceptions. Um, and so that, of necessity, meant that we had to have a much kind of more of a, of a, a multi-voiced, mm-hmm. uh, multi-point of view uh, kind, of, uh, kind of story. Mm-hmm. Okay, wouldn't you say, like, like I mean, I agree with you. Uh, it's like, it's Lizzie, and there's, like, sprinkles of Darcy's point of view. Very few scenes are from Darcy's point yeah, of view, but, but they are there. They're there. And, and then, it's, I just, you know, looking at ours, like, we don't do that at all. <laughs> like, like, we, like, eliminate all of Darcy's point of view altogether, and it is about Lizzie's point of view, and then supported by, mm-hmm. in the story, mm-hmm. in, in, in which we use to enrich our, our universe with... Charlotte's point of view, Lady's point of view, mm-hmm. even Jane's point of view, in a way, um, and of course the other characters we started to bring in. Yeah. So it was it, it was it, it was fun to watch, um, and fun to do. So um, on our parts, I think I had fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Austen also had the advantage that she had a third person narrator who, even when she sure. was in sort of Lizzie's point of view, showing what Lizzie was there and doing, she could kind of comment on, you know. And Lizzie had made up her mind and was determined not to change it. Mm-hmm. And also, like, she could jump into, um, you know, her mother's head and say, "Oh, she's not nearly as, you know, as pretty as Jane or as pleasant as Lydia," and mm-hmm. give, give that perspective. Yeah, of things. Yeah, like I think people think of the book as being in first person mm-hmm. or a very limited. Right. third person, but there's a lot more 
wink and commentary going mm-hmm. on. And I may be completely wrong about this, but I I seem to remember when I was doing my initial research on 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 the book that the time period in which it's written is actually kind of this sea change moment in in Western literature where they're really just sort of figuring out how to do third person. And and so it's it's kind of a new innovation. And one of the important things about Austen as a writer is at that time, she was one of the first writers that we actually still remember that figured out how to use that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what looks to us like just, oh, it's just a way of writing, was really experimental mm-hmm. at that time and really sort of like people just sort of figuring out how to tell a story that switched between these different voices. Mm -hmm. Because if you go like 50 years earlier, everything is, is epistolary. Everything is, is, you know, I am telling you this story Mm -hmm. from my point of view. And indeed the original version, first impressions was epistolary. Um, And yeah. And she, she rewrote it 25 years later. (laughs) The first version was written in 1789, but it wasn't published until 1812. Wow, Jay Bushman throwing down the facts. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Um, Well, that's that's really interesting, considering the way that you guys adapted it, which, you know, is an almost epistolary uh, video uh, format. That's very interesting. I I want to talk about the nuts and bolts for a minute. Um, how does this thing come together? There are so many moving pieces. Never mind the transmedia. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, that could, that's a two-hour podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but it's fascinating. I do want to talk about it. But but just from the, the storytelling, um, breaking down the pieces of the story, uh, tackling it, you know, who gets to write what? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really curious about how this comes together and how much you guys map out and how much you are allowed to let the piece evolve as you go also. It kind of ad- ad- evolved as we went. So mm-hmm. in the beginning it was very it was just uh, Margaret, Rachel, and I mm-hmm. as the three writers. And what we, what we did is, is we, we said like, all right, we're going to take the first, this is approximate, 12 chapters, and we're going to make 24 videos out of these 12 chapters. Basically, a chapter a week, not rocket, not, not, not for short. Like some chapters are longer, some chapters are shorter. Mm-hmm. And, and the three of us kind of took those 12 chapters and broke it down into the beats and what each, each video would cover. And we, we put some filler, of course, and stuff. But um, So that's what we did there. And, th- and at that point when we started, we didn't know it was going to be 100 episodes. We didn't know mm-hmm. when we were going to end. We didn't know if we were going to actually get past the first 24 videos. Sure. So it was more of kind of like, let's see if this works. And so once we, we got... kind of being our own proof of concept. Yeah, all that. exactly. It was, like, it was like piloting, you know, sure. like, like television piloting. So it's like, let's see if it works, and then we'll figure it out. Um, so we came out, and then, uh, you know, we got an audience pretty quickly, and we were like, all right, well, it looks like it's working, so let's make more. And so then we started to expand the team. And so once we got past Chapter 12, it became more about, like, trying to find... You know the arcs, the different arcs in the book, mm-hmm. and fitting them into arcs in our series, and, and, and typically what we call them is we, we we broke everything up by month, so one month was either an arc or part of an arc. Mm-hmm. So uh, what they call like the Netherfield arc, where where Lizzie and Jane go to the guy's house and stay there for like ten to ten days, I think, in the book. It's like a week or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we broke that out into a month, so we had to like figure out like the conceits of why are they there for a month, uh, <laughs> and we did it. <laughs> so, Which is an artifact of production I, because I we would shoot a month's worth of content okay. at a time, and at the time we're like, we can't move the camera if they're there at Netherfield. They're there for the whole month. Yeah. So yeah. that was sort of our first thing <laughs> where we had to really kind of break away from the book and say, all right. If we can come up with a conceit to keep them there, like there's the stuff that actually happened at Netherfield, and where mm-hmm. other things that happened around that time that we can bring in and sure. still play out there. Sure. Yeah, That's smart. And, and I mean, this is this this is basically yeah, like you would, like Margaret said, as an artifact, it's just like how TV works. Like you're just, you're stuck here. You have to like you have to tell the story that this way. And I mean, I think it was, I thought it was is it an advantage for us? Like I thought it just like it gave us one of these great limits that was very you know limiting, of course. But it allowed us to kind of go like, let's go bigger. Let's like, like, what can we do with with this room, <laughs> and 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 this in the setting, and, and be whimsical and crazy and all that. And so, I think the Netherfield arc, like, I don't think we had any filler episodes. We think we all hit beats <laughs> that were in book, whether that they were in the arc or not, I'm not sure, but they were all in book, um, and so forth. So after that, after we kind of came back from there, that's when um, 
I mean, Jay was there from the beginning, too, with, with Transmedia, but he didn't join the writing team until, like, month six or seven. You joined in month five? I joined right after Another Field. Yeah. yeah. Episode so you, 35. Oh, you came back. So you joined, yeah, you, yeah, she joined month five. And so at that point, then when, we, when we're in, like, the middle of the book, 40% of the book, I'm guessing, Huntsford? Uh, Pre-Huntsford. Yeah, there's I, the month. Huntsford's sort of the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we're getting into, into like, that, like, perf- right before the midpoint. And now... We're, we're going, here's, here's the, what we're going to cover this month. We're going to cover this arc. And then these chapters. And, and uh, usually Kate would kind of go through and say, this is what happened, because she knows the book so well. <laughs> this is what happened here. This beat, then this beat, and this beat. It was, it, it, was, it was really entertaining just to watch just her shorthand all the beats. Well, yeah, and, and that was actually, you know, you, you make this, this writing uh, <laughs> sign. But, like, were you guys sitting in a room? Were you yeah, putting was, this up yeah, on a whiteboard like a, like a TV? show where okay. we, we go into a room, we break out the episodes for the month. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, we're, and you were getting uh, four scripts basically ahead of production. Like, that's how it was eight working. Scripts. Eight, eight scripts. Eight scripts. Eight scripts. Okay. Um, and then once we, once we broke out what the beats of each individual episode, we sort of... Uh, we sort of chose them by what interested us, and mm-hmm. thankfully, we tended to be very interested in very different things. Like, <laughs> Rachel was interested in the Lydia storyline, and um, I was interested in the the main core romance, and uh, she loved Charlotte. And I wrote a lot of bridge together episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of worked out that way. Mm-hmm. And, and also, what it, helped, what it was cool, like I mean, the beginning for me, I mean, like as head writer, I I wrote. You know, a good percentage at the beginning, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. a majority, just a long. And then, mm-hmm. like as we went on, like, I was like, "Let's." I don't want to write as many, <laughs> <laughs> far less. Well, I, it just—it was just utilizing the resources. We had a, there's a good team Absolutely. here. Um, they 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 all bring different voices. Like, let's utilize that. Mm-hmm. And if anything, like, I mean, just putting them together and making sure that like, everybody's pieces are connected in one kind of canon, in one like you know continuity-wise, mm-hmm. was, was just like okay, like cool, like it's all there. Um, it was. It was. It became far more entertaining, I think, for me at least, just to sure. see it all mm-hmm. kind of come together like that. Uh, but yeah, I think after, after like thirty-five, after that, after that month four, like I would write maybe one or two a month, maybe, <laughs> maybe, like mm-hmm. very rarely more than that. And then you just, you know, sometimes I read zero, um, and uh, that was fine. Which it worked, yeah, I mean, it worked that out. Is, that is <laughs> so, incredibly satisfying. He let the inmates uh, run the asylum. Is what he's saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Well, it worked. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about finding the characters' voices for this show, you know, making them modern, but also, you know, staying true to the characters in the book, and also serving these actors that you have? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Well, I think all of us, <laughs> I'm guessing the five of us in this room, all have a, a version of Lizzie in our lives. Like, we know mm-hmm. who, who that Lizzie is in our life. Whether it's, it's, it's ourselves or someone we, we're close to, mm-hmm. you, you draw from that. Mm-hmm. And then you, you you add to it. You, you're not taking that person, or you know, I mean, that that per, your, your Lizzie is an amalgamation of like three different people. Um, so I, I, I mean, that's how I worked on it. Like uh, the characters for me, well, I was like, okay, it's basically this person in my life, but <laughs> minus these attributes, add these attributes, mm-hmm. and then go. Sure. Um, I don't know how it was for you guys. But. Lizzie talks a lot like me. <laughs> At least when I write her. It's and just... that's something that we're actually talking about a, a bit on uh, Welcome to Sanditon is is making sure that. Because now we have another character, Gigi's yeah. character, who's mm-hmm. also doing a lot of vlogging the way that Lizzie would, and just like having to make sure that she doesn't sound like Lizzie as a vlogger. Yeah. She sounds yeah. like Gigi as a vlogger. Yeah. I actually uh, had to approach this a little differently mm-hmm. than, than the rest of the, the team because there were a lot of the characters who our first our first interaction with them was through their social media. Mm-hmm. So we were creating voices for characters that wouldn't actually be cast until months later. Mm. Um, and I think we did that to varying degrees of success where we would you know, create characters online and then cast an actor mm-hmm. in that role and that actor would have to step into it and, and embody that person. And mm-hmm. I think one of the most amazing things about uh, Daniel, who uh, uh, who played uh, Darcy, about his performance is that this is a this is a, a character who not only have we seen through his Twitter account for several months, but just about every other character in the show has done an impression <laughs> of him. So it's not a blank slate right. when he walks in midway through the show, and he came up with a performance that matched everything matched every version of that character that every other person had come up with it was it's 
really amazing job. But at the same time, bringing his own thing to mm-hmm. the role at the same time. But man, that that guy did his homework. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was going to ask about that. I mean, yeah. these guys who you brought in a third or halfway through, mm-hmm. were they familiar with the series? Have they they better be. <laughs> <laughs> or else they were screwed. The joke yeah. was that if you walked into the audition and called her Lizzie Benet, you weren't going to get the part. <laughs> and that happened more than several times. <laughs> yeah. But, and and here, I mean, let's, let's put context in this. When we sent out audition sides, we, you know, there's a side, but we we put a paragraph in the front of it that says, mm-hmm. you know, very cordially nice, like, hey, welcome, <laughs> like, like we, we, we're looking forward to your audition, and here's everything you need about the character, here's everything you need about the show, please watch the show, please just sample it, you know, and, and, and get familiarized with the format. We tell them that it's, you know, there's a camera, that the camera's part of the unit, part of the, the scene, you have to address the camera, mm-hmm. these are things that actors aren't used to. And we want them. To, we want them to be prepared when they come in. And it's just fascinating to see them come in and just like completely just like miss this. Like wow. He them- says my name is Lizzie Bennett in literally every single right. episode. <laughs> All you have to do is watch a minute of one. Yeah. I think there was one guy who came in for two two parts, and both times he called her Lizzie Bennett for oh calls God. and for Wicca. Oh my God. <laughs> we're like, oh, you again. All right, so great. <laughs> got it. <laughs> You're yeah. so getting this one. The other thing is because most of the time when we did auditions, we'd have have either Ashley or Mary Kate or Daniel actor, come yeah. in to mm-hmm. read opposite whoever they were very good sports about coming in even on first round auditions mm-hmm. when people came and there was always the moment when somebody walked in and you could tell that they'd recognized oh my god it's really you <laughs> and the people it's a good were, sign right yeah, yeah yeah that's really funny um tell me a little bit about the production of this so you know on the nuts and bolts side you were you were uh, about a Getting the scripts about a month ahead. Yeah. Um, what was the production budget like? I mean, you don't have to give me numbers, but how did this thing kind of come together, and where did the money come from, and <laughs> how did you guys money? use it? Ah, <laughs> uh, the monetization question. All right. So the first part—it's the first part—is is the money came from Hank. The first, the okay. first bit to do the twenty-four. Let's see if this works. You know, can you give us a ballpark for what those twenty-four? Sure. Cost? I'm going to say under twenty-five k. Okay. Significantly. Under twenty five k, right? I mean that that makes sense. And it was three dollars. Three dollars, um, but we'll say it's over ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, and, and and also context. Everyone got a check, mm-hmm. you know, except for uh, Jay politely declined his, his first batch I, of checks. I declined my first Strong bunch review. of checks so we could use the money to hire somebody to help me with the transmedia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's how we got that's, Al- so, that's so, how we got Alexandra. So, so, so to clarify, wise. like, yes, everybody was paid something, mm-hmm. but they weren't being paid a lot. Right. So yeah. it's sort of a typical web series startup kind of well, thing. Well, it's true, but I think, I think a lot of web series don't pay anybody. <laughs> right, no. so um, it's kind of like I don't oh, yeah, want to watch those. We we, we we shot this for a thousand dollars, and all we paid for was food and like yeah. camera gear, and it's like really. That's, then it didn't cost a thousand dollars. Like it costs way more than that. It's a lot harder to do twice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so basically, we were able to do three production days to cover mm-hmm. twenty-four episodes. Uh, wow. With with that, um, and yeah, and, and it came down to like it was really about trying to find the maximum, getting trying to get the maximum amount of content in the shortest amount of production time. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, which again and, is not unusual for a web series. No, it's not. I, th- I think it got it got almost obsessive on my part. <laughs> how many pages? How many per pages day per day? Oh yeah. So, so the first day we shot forty six pages of scripted video content in one day. Forty six pages, and, and I think there were, as far as the shot list, there were seventy eight shots. So I mean, they're all one shot, but right. like you have to like you know change the costumes and yeah. change the backgrounds and stuff like that. Sometimes that's wild. And, and actors come in and. Um, uh, I, I mean, Rachel and I had worked together on a similar type of format of the, the one-camera show, and so I, I don't think when I said we're going to do 46 pages a day, it, it, was, it, was, it was shocking you. I don't know. Maybe no, we're, I yeah. was like, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, we did this before. We did this like, before. I was highly dubious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Morgan. Was, and, he's like, and, we're going to shoot eight episodes in a day. I'm like, yeah, what's your backup? Like, we can't do that. There's no backup. We got it. <laughs> wow. Our, yeah. our first AD, Stuart, tells the story of like he was making up the call sheet for the first day, and it's like total pages 46. He's like, I feel like the biggest idiot on the planet writing <laughs> yeah. that on a call sheet. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And, and, and granted, like, like me, we, you know, we were right at 12 hours at mm-hmm. that point. So, I mean, considering that, you know, there are That's films and stuff crazy. like that that go to 14 and 16. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, saying that we're at 12 every time, pretty happy with. Like, I will take that kind of every time out. 
right? And and so we can. But that turned out to be a short day for us. <laughs> well, in I, terms I, of pages, not in, in terms in of pages, hours. Yeah, yeah. like the, the the maximum. I think month four was our maximum. We did fifty-seven pages in one day, and that, that was the point where we're like, all right, all right, we got we got to start paring this down. <laughs> fifty-seven also, is kind of the, the high end. I would also end. like to say that was my first day on set, and I can remember that because it was the hottest day of the year. Oh, oh yeah. my <laughs> god. Yeah. It, it, it was. And you can't run the air conditioner while you're running the camera, right. so our poor actresses are sitting like on ice packs trying to stay cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was it was rough. It was rough. But yeah. I mean that was kind of the thing. And then that was the day that I, I texted. I was like, hey I'm gonna come by the set and you were like, dear God, please don't. <laughs> we cannot have another body in here. Yeah, there, there's a scripted Ashley takes a bite Lizzie takes a bite of a uh, chocolate bar and Ashley goes and does it. And the chocolate is practically disintegrating oh. in her hands. It was yeah. uh, but anyway, so mm-hmm. three three months covered that, and then well, we were launching. You know, we, we were shooting month two, and we had already launched month one, mm-hmm. right? And so we could mm-hmm. see right away YouTube, AdSense, revenue was coming in because mm-hmm. of AdSense. And right when we were about to shoot month three, we kind of went, okay, Hank, well, what are we going to do? Like, either you know, we need more money here, or we're going to stop, or we take a break, or we're going to kickstart, or something. Like, right. we needed a, we needed a solution here. And she he kind of started going through all these things, and we were we, we were talking with different. MCNs, multi-channel networks, um, about uh, about partnerships and stuff like that. But at that point, we we realized that because we had two months of content out on YouTube already, those had about already been monetizing, and we could shoot the fourth month of content by just taking the money we had sure. earned with the first two months of content. So we we're basically breaking even at that point, mm-hmm. which is that's a, impressive. A significant feat. Something. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a pretty significant feat, right? Absolutely. To, to say we're breaking even, and and, and at the point now we're breaking even, like I was able to kind of give everybody slight pay bumps. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, again, like, it's not that much money to begin with, so no, pay bumps in that, again, still not that much money, but still. Like, yeah. just, the, just the, the kind of like, hey, you know what? We're doing better. Here's something, you know, to say, just to have that going. And so that lasted from month four through six. And by that time, we had gone through uh, different uh, networks wanting to acquire us or say, like, we want to do different things. I mean, there was, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but there was, there was an offer that said, like, oh, we want you to do a two-year version of this book. And I was like, oh my god, that would be. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> like, exactly. I see the head shaking here. Like, no, like not happening. Um, and and, uh, and so, but the, but that 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 kind of AdSense money coming in allowed us to kind of maintain mm-hmm. a, a a sustainable somewhat sure. level of paying people certain amounts and making content and mm-hmm. keeping the audience going and, and building the building building the, the audience, right? Keeping the, keeping the show going and building the audience. And so right at month six, the end of it is when we partnered with DECA, our MCN, and so then they put in money to fund the whole thing, the rest of it, and then we, you know, pay them again. Right. So it was it was really cool, you know, to, 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 to do that another time. And they also gave us access to their office space and we've all worked out of there. Great. And just, it just, man, as, as a writer, I don't know about you guys, but it just... Just having it's nice to just go to an office sometime <laughs> as a writer. Or just go like, Absolutely. here's some big space. difference. Yeah, and I'd prefer writing on a street corner personally. Really? Yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> not writing. <laughs> it was really handy that we worked out that deal right before we were going to start shooting at the offices of Collins and Collins. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> we, we need an That's office. Set. Well, I, I, I kind of sign this deal. I kind of yeah. use that as kind of like, hey guys, so I know we were negotiating still, <laughs> but. Uh, we kind of need to shoot this like at an office set. I see you have offices, many empty them. Empty. <laughs> Can we just There's like a, yeah. use one on a week? And I mean, they were they were really cool about it. It, it certainly wasn't like they they were like using that to strong arm anything. But I was kind of like, we know we're gonna do the sure. deal. Yeah, Let's yeah. just like, let us. And were the they keys. were they presenting you guys with plans beyond Lizzie Bennett? Oh, absolutely. Like that that led us to Sanditon in the next novel okay. eventually. And eventually, Sanditon. We didn't know we were gonna do that until like <laughs> two months ago. But uh, but but we yeah. knew. But they wanted. They were looking. As far as a bidder goes, they were they were looking at it not as just the one property. Mm-hmm. Like so most of the, most of the bidders were like, we just want Pride and Prejudice, uh, and we want it to last as long as you can last sure. it. Man, they still, <laughs> I go back to two years. Like how like awful that would have been. <laughs> but um, and just in hindsight, I didn't think about it then because we, we never really sure. considered that offer. But like uh, the idea of of. You know, this is a format you've you've invented, like out of the blue. Like, let's let's find a way to make more of these, mm-hmm. and can this be kind of like a new, a completely new format? It's not really. It's sure it's web series, but it's not like 
third-person web series, it's first-person web series, uh, and it's not TV, it's not movies chopped up into two-minute, right. three-minute three videos, it's its own thing. Absolutely. Is there a business here? If there is, we want, we want to be a part of figuring out how we can help you build this entity. Cool. And so that's what that became. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it really came down to you know where that last six months came from. I mean, but what we were, what the budgets became, because again, pay raises, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, sure, we could have maintained the very low mm -hmm. month one through three rates at the money we were getting from AdSense, but I don't think I, you know we all want to pocket more dollars. So that money came from from Deca, and they basically deficit financed the rest of it mm -hmm. at a certain amount, and and then you know they, of course they recoup from their AdSense, um, and and they you know they've they've sold some ad campaigns. Uh, well, they sold one for us. What <laughs> very, very, um, uh, what's the word? Infamous, I guess. The one that the fans. Annoying. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry, yeah, stuff out. No, it, exactly. I mean, I think the fans took it with, you know, with a good sense of humor. They, I, they, I, loved, they, they, they loved to hate it. Sure. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where the ad networks haven't quite figured out the fact that when you show the same ad every single time, mm -hmm. week in, week out, <laughs> for two months, you are not making people want right. to buy your product. <laughs> and, and to be clear, it's not the MCN's fault. It's the it's the sure. it's the mm -hmm. the the media whatever. Yeah. Right. Like the person who put Wherever the ad. That ad yeah, where the ad comes yeah. from. I kind of I mean, I, right away. I kind of was like, hey, I know we have this campaign. Is there another ad they have? Like, can yeah. they can we just run a different ad like every third time? You know? There is the the ad in question was a. a um, we don't have to give them more. Time. Well, no, I want I want to because this is actually pretty funny. Um, is it was Diet Pepsi ad starring Sofia Vergara, mm -hmm. and so when we got to the end of the show, there was a hue and cry from a pretty significant portion of the fan base that was like, "But they never wrapped up that story. Like, what about Sofia Vergara and the can? What happened with them? Did she ever That's get funny. the soda?" <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much the basic monetization. And of course, the Kickstarter, which just ended. Well, I was going to ask you about that, too. I mean, you, you have this network behind you. Uh, why Kickstart for the DVDs or, or for anything else? The network only covers online video oh. and ad for online. Um, and was that the, the deal that you guys made yeah. on purpose? On purpose. Yeah. On purpose. So, so I mean, like, yes, it's, it's a, it, there's a huge value to advertising online young females. And we wanted to make sure that, especially with the money, I mean, they weren't, this is not a million dollar deal. It's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's the production money deal. Right. So it's like, you know, we're not going to give you yeah. everything. We're going to give you the show for, for just so you can pay for the show. Right. So, um, so the Kickstarter, wait, so that answers that question. Yes. What do you want to know about the Kickstarter? <laughs> uh, just, oh, why the Kickstarter? <laughs> yeah, why the Kickstarter? So the Kickstarter really was because... Um, the fans had clamored; they, they really wanted for a DVD. They wanted a DVD, mm -hmm. and I, I mean, I'll, I've been on the record by saying that I don't, I don't like DVDs. I don't. I think they're they're archaic. But like, I I, I now very much understand the value of them. Right? Mm -hmm. I just don't own any personally. Um, and so I was kind of like, and I'm also very much pushing to the future. I'm like, let's go. What what's, what are we doing next? Mm -hmm. And then DVDs to me are always like going backwards mm -hmm. to me a little bit. Um, and yes, again, there's value to it, and I'm looking forward to, to a really cool DVD set because it's been really fun recording commentary, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless, um, to produce a DVD, I mean, not just the, the, the authoring, but then the printing, like, that's yeah. like tens of thousands of dollars, yeah, right? It's a and huge it's, production. It's a huge cost. production. And we, but they're we, not part of the production. They're not part of production. We're not going to take it from the production. Right. Like, that's not fair, right, that's to really absolutely. anybody. Um, and so, where's this money going to come from? And so, it kind of like, well, I guess, you know, Someone could deficit finance it, but like, there's no, there's no like, are we? There's no proof of like, you know, like, uh, projection for this deal. Like, how do you project DVD sales? Like, you know, before this Kickstarter, right. you can't. It's like impossible now, right? Because you don't know because DVD sales have fallen off a cliff. There's no like machine mm -hmm. that just sells DVDs anymore. So it it became like, all right, well, the only related way to do this is to kickstart it, mm -hmm. or some, some or, or someone has to put up twenty five thousand right. dollars or so to make a DVD player or DVD set. So we kickstarted it, and and when we talk when, we, when you talk about Kickstarter, of course, there you want to give value to it. And so, truth, it, the Kickstarter is basically pre-ordering a DVD. But I think it was important to 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 Hank, and it was important to me to like we want to provide give you content sure. on top of it, which is what Sandin came in. It's like, hey, let's put them together. It's a little confusing. You true? It's a del it's like it's like we're kickstarting for two things, mm -hmm. right? Um, technically three, but like. It made sense. So it's like you're getting a DVD set, and you're basically just buying a DVD set. Mm -hmm. Really, is what we're doing. Yep. Um, but 
you're also kickstarting, you're rallying up against it to provide more content for the show and, and, and prove that the format can exist. Now, you know, it, for the people who don't know, we, we asked for 60K, um, and uh, I think I would have been totally fine with 75. I think I predicted it would be 75, <laughs> and we blew, that, we blew through that in like five hours. Yeah, uh, that's unbelievable. So, so yeah, we ended up with 460 whatever. 462,000. 462,000. So we're $400,000 over our original goal. So um, what, what happens with that? Well, um, we'll throw a party. We'll throw sure. a party. We go to the Bahamas. Well, you've seen DuckTales, Scrooge McDuck has the big <laughs> container of you got that room gold now. to swim in. We, we, we have it in pennies. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, your production is fairly well taken care of. Uh, your DVDs are taken care of. Yeah. Does well, this go towards the future, or does it go into your pockets? I no, mean, no, both it, are fine. It, well, it, it goes to, well, here's what, here's what we said, and this is what still, still is true. So, uh, DVD... Uh, so the DVD, I mean, I think what we budgeted on the Kickstarter, we're going to put a little more in because mm-hmm. we've done stuff like captions. We didn't promise captions at the beginning, and now we're doing sure. captions. You have captions. these opportunities. Yes, now. exactly. Mm-hmm. Like we, let's, let's make a DVD set that's, that's better than what we promised, yeah. right? And then Sanitan the series, we budget a certain amount, and we're making a series of Sanitan that's better than what we promised, mm-hmm. right? So I think that those that's things great. are both fair things. And then what we also promised was, was because, again, we all worked very hard for low money. Mm-hmm. Funny, but low money. Um, there is the, the remaining pool of that gets split amongst the team. That's fantastic. But I mean, it's like yeah, it's it's like twenty people. Yeah, it's a big team. <laughs> it's a big but team. But nonetheless, like I mean, the fans know this is happening. Yes, they they aware. saw you hit your goal and they kept giving. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. there were people who messaged yeah. Ashley. Ashley, I don't message any of you, but they said like we're just donating more because we want you to get more money. That's awesome. To Ashley, yeah. you know, I'm like yeah. that's that's cool. So you're gonna fire her, right? Yeah, we're gonna fire her. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was really um, touching watching the Kickstarter comments oh, come absolutely. in. It's like we're so yeah. glad. It's like finally we've been watching it for free for a year, and it was yeah. a way for them to support the team and support the yeah, project. Yeah, I think the and that fans was like, really want that. Yeah. You know, well, especially when you're just giving them this thing for free. It, well, and also like like the Kickstarter is. I mean, Rachel and I joke about this all the time because it's 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 very product based. Like there's a lot of products. Yes. That's on that thing, and so. Uh, last week, I think we did a count, and it was like fifteen thousand units that wow. we have to like produce and ship and wow. stuff and fulfill. Mm, and, that's and, crazy. And then you know, like the, there's button sets, and we're not counting each individual button as a unit. We're right. counting each button set <laughs> as a unit. So if you count the bu- individual buttons, there's even more. Um, but there's a lot of, of things. And the and thank you awesome, booklet though. in the DVD is going to be quite thick. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's six, going to be a separate piece. Six thousand. You're going to have to kickstart that. Half a point. Yeah, yeah. Right. and and um, I the mean, extra DVD slipcase is just the thank you. <laughs> right. I, I got an email today from from DFTBA, which is the film, 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 the fulfillment company we're using, from their guy there, and he's like, they've been selling the journals, like these kind of this like blank mm-hmm. journals that that they they on on the site, and and that was part of the Kickstarter, and most of them are signed by by myself and Hank that we're gonna that we're providing, and we and he's like, well, so we have some inventory left over. Do you want to take from the inventory on the, uh, from the site, or do you want to reorder what would end up, what needs to be eight hundred more wow. journals? And I'm like, go ahead and order 800 yeah. more journals. You're gonna need them. <laughs> I mean, 800. <laughs> like that's, that's wild. wild. <laughs> well, the fans have been a part of it the entire time, thanks to the transmedia. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that segue. To the story. Whoa! <laughs> nice. Let's talk about the transmedia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> transmedia. What's that? Um, this Can you really, define transmedia? No, this is an interesting <laughs> component. This is an interesting component to uh, the, telling this story. Uh, how early on was transmedia? a plan how did you go about tackling this because it's a huge undertaking this is from the very beginning mm-hmm. um, and when Bernie first uh, talked to me about it um, it was it was always it was always part of the plan mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think at that point we had any clue how big the transmedia was going to become um, we spent a lot of time early on saying well, we have to draw boundaries because we have to be able to cur- curtail this because we don't have a lot of resources and I think we failed pretty spectacularly <laughs> at our attempts to keep things under control. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, Transmedia was, was there from, <laughs> from pretty much the beginning. And I even remember um, seeing Bernie uh, a year and a half ago at there's a, there's a Transmedia conference that happens every year called Story World. Uh, and the first one was in 2011 up in San Francisco. And I remember seeing Bernie there. And we were talking in the lobby about just how awesome it was. And, and you were saying how, like, oh, my God, I have so many ideas. And this, like, gives me so many thoughts of, like, things that we can do for st- just projects. And Dude, we're really cha- excited. changed my life. That yeah. conference freaking changed my life. Yeah. Like, it's completely yeah. took, you know, every, the, like, I mean, 
I don't know. Story World is itself evolved. So I'm not, I'm, that's not a pitch for Story World. It's a pitch for that Story World, like 2011 Story World. So yeah. when you have a time traveling device, yeah, go, go, go into that one. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you say Story World sucks now. Like, well, I didn't go last year, and I, I really heard, sold out. I heard, <laughs> I heard mixed. It was so here in LA. There now. Uh, <laughs> it was here in LA last year, and and it was okay. Okay. Um, well, yeah. But the thing is, like, I mean, said diplomatically. This this is for this, this, the screenwriters who listen and, and all of us. It's like. Before that, I looked at it as I looked at storytelling as like I'm a screenwriter, and and I've been told by many people, Jay included, and you know Nina Bargell and Brent Friedman, like these these my friends who who dabble or not dabble, who like are very much in transmedia, and and who are screenwriters or you know in a sense, there they are, <laughs> and uh, um, they were like just encouraging me to go in deeper into this kind of story world mm-hmm. instruction thing. I'm like, all right, well I happen to be in San Francisco during this time. Um, uh, and and like it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, how am I gonna go to this conference? And it's like, oh, I know a lot of people were going. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go, right? And and so, um, I it was the first conference I had gone to in a year where I was really there, just really excited to be educated. Like you go to conferences, you're, you're speaking, you're networking, you're, or it's a comic con, you're just having fun, right? right? This conference, I was going like, I am going to learn. Like I don't really care about meeting people. Like <laughs> like I'll see my friends, but I'm going to freaking learn. I'm going to write so many notes. And man, I learned. I learned so much. And, and yeah, it was great. And, and so when Jay speaks, tells that story of like us in the lobby, I mean that was it's genuine. Like I was like my mind was on fire. Like yeah. oh man, so many ideas and, and everything. And so. so like a year later, I um I had actually one of the reasons that I was able to jump into this project so fully is that I had actually been already working on a transmedia. Pride and Prejudice adaptation for uh, for a while, and it's something that I had pitched at the company that I used to work for mm-hmm. that that they didn't really buy into. And then when we first started talking, I brought Bernie in to meet with them about maybe there's a, a partnership there, and that didn't really go anywhere. But we had a mutual friend, um, who, Liz Miller, Liz Shannon Miller, um, who is a fantastic writer mm-hmm. uh, in her own right, and um, uh, but Liz sent us both an email and was like, hey, Bernie, you're doing a Pride and Prejudice thing, right? You should talk to Jay because he's been working on a Pride and Prejudice thing. And I was like, oh, okay, huh. So I had, I had had all this time and all this research and sure. all this work I had done already about the uh, about the, the source material that I was able to bring all that with me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just sort of allowed us to get up and running really fast. Sure. Yeah, and, and at that point, if I remember correctly, at that point we'd only shot the, the spec the, the, the concept yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. we shot three episodes of the concept We're like this is how it's going to be girl vlogging friends coming in and out and and um, that's what I showed to Jay and it's like this is what I have so far it's really like it was it and some scripts mm-hmm. you know and because at that point these two were I'm pointing to Rachel Margaret because you can't see me um, <laughs> they, they, were, they, were, they were writing with us so they had both written one of those episodes as well in, in the concept um, the proof of concept and that went to Jay and then that's kind of how we got started yeah. was like hey so this is where I've got so far and I think uh, I'm completely wrong but I think I remember you saying is that um, this had solved a lot of the problems that you had like figure out how to, pro- yeah. how to produce it yeah. yeah what were those tell me um, I actually the, the version that I had been working on was almost the complete opposite of what we ended <laughs> up doing where the video portions were going to be the public events so oh, you would see the interactions, yeah. but then the social media would be individual, mm-hmm. private voices and private conversations. Oh, that's really fascinating. But it just it just couldn't lock it all together. The thing that was missing was costume theater. <laughs> um, and that's such a brilliant, brilliant idea to have. I'm going to credit the, uh, Hank Green on that one. Just to have <laughs> characters on screen playing the other characters. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, take a cast of characters that's like two dozen people and you like cut it into a third of that amount yeah. of people. It just simplifies everything and adds a whole other level of commentary, a whole other level of comment, mm-hmm. uh, of comedy, and of meta to it. And it just, you know, like, when, when I first heard about that, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And everything just kind of, like, snapped into place. When we first started out, we weren't sure that we were ever going to cast any characters beyond Lizzie, Lydia, Jane, and Charlotte. Yeah, like, we had that. that core four, and there was, like... Are we ever gonna see these people mm-hmm. or not? And then, you know, I'm glad that we did. Right. But well, it is part of that evolution mm-hmm. of the storytelling, right? Is you you get to play in these worlds, yeah. and you yeah. you want to meet Darcy, you want to meet. You know, and once yeah. you're in yeah. Bing's house for a month, he's yeah. probably gonna show up. <laughs> Caroline's <laughs> definitely gonna show up. So. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then <clears throat> going back to the costume theater thing, I mean, it, it as as Jay mentioned, you know, gives says how brilliant it was. I mean, like it it really was. 
it solved a lot of problems mm-hmm. for us too, as on the production yeah. side, because in it just, a practical way. in a practical yes. way. And and the idea really came from. I mean, Hank referenced it from a couple very popular YouTubers who basically were just vloggers who would just kind of tell stories about their families, but they would just play every character in their family, mm-hmm. and they would just cut in between people like, oh, I'm, your, I'm my mom now, and now I'm my sister, and they would right. have conversations between themselves. And so that was kind of the influence of where that came from, and we just kind of evolved it into mm-hmm. a side-by-side conversation. Sure. Correct me other... if I'm wrong, I think credit for calling it costume theater goes to Rachel Kiley. Uh, I, I think that. Stuart it? called it I costume theater. I thought you theater. were the first one to put it in a script. No, I think Stuart did that when he did his first breakdown. Because <laughs> he, he, he wanted to differentiate. But... We can give it to Stuart. I'm okay with that. Okay. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Unless you want it. No, I'm good. All right. <laughs> and, you know, the other, yeah. the other big difference is, is the vlogging conceit. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's, it was a world that I knew very little about. Um, in fact, I think the only real connection I, or experience I had with vlogging or even, you know, fake vlogging was Lonely Girl 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and using that kind of style in a fictional context. So the minute I heard about, you know, oh, we're going to do it as a, as a vlog and looking at especially a story that is about point of view and especially a story that if we're going to add transmedia elements to it, it's about different and complementary <clears throat> and contrasting points of view. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, this is perfect. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, very briefly, uh, just tell me uh, again about the nuts and bolts of pulling together and maintaining all of these transmedia elements. So at the very beginning, there wasn't a lot at the beginning. At the very beginning, we started with three Twitter accounts for three of the characters that were not on screen yet, Mm -hmm. for Darcy and Bing and Caroline. Um, And we engineered the first of of a series of rabbit holes. Um, And I actually realized this was one year ago yesterday. That, that we sprang this. <laughs> Whoa! Okay. Was so the show started, um, and you know we started with our two episodes a week, um, but we didn't announce that there were these other Twitter accounts mm-hmm. out there, and so these three characters just started having conversations with each other every couple of days for about three or four weeks, and, and they had no followers, no mm-hmm. followers yeah. other than each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't tell anybody, we didn't link it to anybody until the moment in the story where Jane and Bing meet each other. And so they had, at this point, they had been following Lizzie's Twitter account and Jane's Twitter account and and some of the conversations there. But we posted on one of their sites uh, screenshots of Jane following Bing on Twitter and Bing following Jane back. (laughs) And it was like, oh, wait a minute, there's more there's more stuff here. And I remember sitting there on a, it was on a Sunday that we did this. And I remember sitting there watching the email account that the accounts were registered to as the notifications just came, oh kept God. coming in like, like five every second. Yeah. It just kept like, it was like an avalanche. <laughs> and, and I was like, that was the, I think the moment where I was like, wow, I think we've, I think we've tapped into something. Yeah. Here. Um, so uh, just, wait, but just tell me practically, sure. like, was it one person you doing all of this? At the was beginning, it, it was mostly me. How much with was Bernie. pre-written? How much was written on the um, spot? A lot of it was. At the beginning, a lot of it was pre-written. Sure. But as we got further and further along, <laughs> more and more of it had to be done on the spot because we had to sort of just kind of react to what was going on yeah, in the moment. That's crazy. Um, and um, very early on, um, it became clear to me that I needed help. Um, <laughs> oh, we need help. Well, it's hard enough yes. to update one's own Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> well, at that point, too, in, in, in the first five months of the show, we had seven Twitter accounts. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's just yeah. Twitter. You yeah. know, we had other platforms as well. Right. And and it just between, you know, Jay and, Jay and I, I mean, Jay, I think in the beginning, if I remember correctly, Jay basically had the, 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 the Darcy camp. And I had the rest, yeah. Um, as as the split, and and more would happen there, like because we had the videos on our camp, so we I would I would just be basically supporting videos, mm-hmm. yeah. like here's my videos, da da da. You know, um, but I would write these little short little playlets for mm-hmm. the three characters every couple of days. They would sort of like oh. have these little interactions with each other, um, so that when they found when the fans first found it, there was an entire month worth right. of story that had happened parallel to what they'd already right. seen. And um, so then we started figuring out, well, how can we do more of that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the first decisions we made then was there's the character of Gigi, um, uh, Darcy's sister, who isn't going to appear on screen until month 10, month 11. Mm-hmm. 10. 10. But we were like, let's start seeding her now. 
Um, and Gigi has this whole backstory that when you get to that point in the in the story, it like you learn about what happened with her and Wickham, and it's kind of it's this big reveal moment of of things that have you know gone mm-hmm. on off screen. So we were trying to figure out, well, this is happening to her in real time. So how do we how do we show this? How do we show Gigi's journey from having been dumped and manipulated by Wickham to the point where we see her in this story? Um, and so we started using uh, these two platforms. One is Get Glue, um, mm-hmm. which is where you check in on what TV or movies you're watching, and the other is a is a service called This Is My Jam. Um, which just, you know, what songs you're listening to. Mm-hmm. And so we try to chart Gigi's emotional <laughs> state over 10 months oh based on her music and her, and her, and her media hilarious. selections. The music turned out to be a heck of a lot more powerful than, mm-hmm. the, than the movies and TV. Um, and, and it really kind of developed this following of people. But very, very early on, it became clear to me that I have no idea what a 20-year-old girl who's really <laughs> upset is going to listen to. And if you leave it up to me, it's Bell and Sebastian. And right. I, like, I even did like one Bell and Sebastian song. And then I was like, wait a minute. That's really, really wrong. Like, that's a, that's a wrong choice. <laughs> All right. We're going to need to find somebody who has a better idea of what this would that's be. And that's when, we, that's when we started talking about can I bring someone on mm-hmm. else to help. And that's when we brought uh, Alex, Alexandra Edwards mm-hmm. on um, to, uh, to help me out with that. And she sort of took Gigi's... Uh, music and and ran with it I mean, and turned it into this thing that like I've it's, seen. It's one of the most popular th- yeah. kind of things we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and like no there doubt. are fan fan tumblers where they like they do essays on like each song and like oh what God. the meaning of it is and, and it's fantastic. It's this is what she's thinking. This is what she's going through. Yeah, yeah. And that's I mean that's great. That becomes a part of the conversation. Yeah. That you guys are, are, but so as we're going along, it just you know the logic of the transmedia engagement just gets bigger and bigger and you yeah. start thinking well we need to do this and then we need to do that <laughs> and you know as much as we tried to not let our eyes get you know bigger than our you know I don't know how to, how to end that metaphor hands, hands <laughs> stomach um, uh, as much as we tried not, not not let it get out of control mm-hmm. just events got so propulsive and there was so much reaction to it that it was hard to not just sure. you know just keep doing more stuff. I mean, you you get you get so into the arc you're telling. I, th- I can say this from personal. I'm sure Rachel had the same thing during month eleven, where like because we took over different arcs. Is really like like Jay said in the beginning, she had the Darcy camp and he had that arc, and it was almost like like I would look at it and like yeah that that, that go for it mm-hmm. like you know just just go nuts. And the same thing happened. Um, I would say pretty much with you in month eleven with Lydia, like that whole tra- the transmedia con- the campaign for Lydia during that 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 month it was this no it's ten sorry it's 10, month yeah. ten um, where I I, I, I could almost imagine like your constant state of this is what Lydia's thinking this is what she's doing this is what she's going through because I I went through the same thing mm-hmm. several times whether it be from Lizzie early on where it just like it was just hard to turn off it was mm-hmm. so hard mm-hmm. to turn off from being like. Here's yeah. what you're thinking, and and this he's doing this video now, so I better just tweet this and <laughs> and all that, and it, and then and then that that would blend to different characters as we went along, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think month month nine, I went to the GG the GG state, um, GG state, you know, and just like finding these places, and, and it's mm-hmm. it it can certainly it's dangerous. Yeah. I would say it's very dangerous. It is. It is. In the you know we were asked we did a panel last month and somebody asked us um, asked the question how much time during any given day how many hours during any given day did you spend on working on the transmedia and my somewhat flip but somewhat accurate reply <laughs> was all of them yeah because no matter what you're doing you always have to keep a small bit of awareness on what's going on and, and monitoring it and that's it's it's difficult because no matter how much you do it's never enough and there's always going to be a certain part of the audience that says, yeah, but why aren't they doing this? Or wouldn't wouldn't they be doing this? Shouldn't they have seen that? Or why is this person not following that person? Because the logic breaks down. And at a certain point, you just have to draw a line and say, look, we, we can't play these characters 24 hours a day. Um, there's only so much we can do. And we have to direct those resources at the places where they have the most story impact. Mm-hmm. And, and And that's... I think a, a thing that's still evolving and you know we, there's a lot of conversation back and forth with the fans about oh you know maybe you know we want to see them do this or we want to see them tweet about that and and we don't 
do that because it's not just about what you can do. It's about what's the most useful and the most engaging thing for the story. Mm -hmm. And that's a really, I mean, that's that's an important and interesting aspect Mm -hmm. that I think has set this apart from really anything else that, you know, you guys are about the story. And I think that's something that a lot of... You know, yeah. never mind just web stuff, but TV and yeah. film and, and books I, I, forget the, about. The really big the really big difference between this show um, and most of the other projects that I've worked on or that my friends have worked on or that I've seen in the transmedia space is that me being the person that is in charge of overseeing the transmedia elements was on the writing staff in the room with mm-hmm. these guys helping to break story. Yeah. This, while the transmedia elements came after... Deciding on a lot of them came after deciding on the video elements. They were not considered second-class content. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, with the exception, there are only two shows out there, two web series that that work this way. We are one. The other is my music. Mm -hmm. Um, Fine Brothers. The Fine Brothers, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, And... um, and I, I'm, I'm right now. I'm at a point where I'm trying to mention them a lot because for a long time I, I was saying, "Yeah, we're the only people out there that do this." And then I was like, "Well, wait a minute. My music does it also." We, yes, that's awesome. So, and but Absolutely. the conversation I'm having a lot with people, and it's it is, do you want to replicate the success that we have had? This is one of the reasons, mm-hmm. and it's difficult from a conceptual standpoint, but it's also different from a structural standpoint Absolutely. because most. Well, it's non-linear, companies. It's right? not. It's non-linear, it's but it's also it's also financial because mm-hmm. most of the, especially when you're talking with with TV production, uh, and and you know the big studios or the big production companies, the people that do the social media stuff come from the marketing department. Right. They don't come from the creative right. side, and to be able to say you have to put somebody in your writing room, you have to put somebody who is endowed with a, mm-hmm. enough input to change the actual content. In the creative side, they're not a marketing person. And I've had untold conversations with people who are like, yeah, we get that, but we can't explain that to our bosses. They just Mm -hmm. don't get it. Sure. Um, I'm hoping that one of the (laughs) legacies of this show is that that will start to change. Knock on table. Um, As long as we're talking about legacies, uh, very quickly, what is next? Are we talking individually or for No, individually, I do not care. Um, (laughs) For the group, for, you know, this this world. Well, the next uh, Pemberley Digital project, which is a real company, our checks are from Pemberley Digital. We told our new cast that, and they're like, so can we cash these checks? (laughs) In-world checks? (laughs) You're getting paid in Darcy bucks. bucks. Yes, exactly. But, uh... Which will be airing by the time you hear this, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's called Welcome to Sanditon. It was designed to be a sort of short-term summer bridge project between Lizzie Bennet Diaries and the next big book adaptation, mm-hmm. which will come out sometime in fall. And I, can you tell us about that? That nope. I cannot. It's a secret. That right. is a secret. But Welcome to Sanditon is based cool. on Sanditon, which yeah. was the unfinished manuscript that Jane Austen was working on when she died, actually. Mm-hmm. So she got uh, 11, 12 chapters in. It's all set up, but it all takes place in one town. It's based around mm-hmm. the town of Sanditon, which is this new sort of English beach town that is, you know, it's going to be the next big thing, but not as big and crass as Brighton. If you sort of, if you imagine Jane Austen's version of Stars Hollow, that's <laughs> that's kind of the thing that appealed to me about it. Was, well, that's a fun world yeah. for you guys yeah. to play so, in, too. So yeah. Jay cool. and I are, are co-show running that project. Great. And we are... Kate's on it, too. And yes. Kate is also working on it as well. As is Bernie is doing some stuff on it, I hear. I hear. And, I would imagine uh, everyone has a hand in. Yes, yeah, we got, got a hand in. And uh, I totally lost track of the thread. But the idea was to create, because it is all set up in the manuscript, the idea was to create really kind of a sandbox where, like, mm-hmm. we get things started, we introduce characters that you're going to see in video, that you're going to see in Twitter and other online platforms. Mm-hmm. But have even more than Lizzie Bennett the come on in here with us. Oh yeah, and since this isn't going to be uh, airing until we're in the middle of running, we can actually talk about what we're planning on doing, which is um, (laughs) we're partnering with a a company called Theatrix um, that has built a platform that basically allows you to create an in-world social network where fans can create their own characters Hmm. and record their own videos 
and upload them. So we're going to basically create an in-world portal and say to the fan base, you get to be a resident of Sanditon. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to play? Are you, you know, the town sheriff? Are you the dog catcher? Do you, like, run a newspaper stand? What's a newspaper? Um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and try and basically leave as much of the, the decisions about what's going on in this town up to them. Wow. And so we know that at the beginning, they're going to mostly be reacting to the stories of the mm-hmm. characters that we put on screen. Um, but the hope is that after a while, they will start telling their own stories, and that when we are done telling our stories That's in Sanditon, we will stop, but they can keep they going. They can just run with it. That's yeah. fascinating, and and a really logical and kind of frightening evolution. <laughs> <laughs> that is completely yes. sums it up right there. Um, and and so where, where can people find all of this stuff? What's you, the best way to... to well, you know, the, the main video it. content will be on YouTube.com slash Pemberley Digital. Okay. Um, that's where the main cool. thing. And, you can and we'll also have a, um, an out-of-world site to help people uh, who right. are coming to it in the middle to kind of get caught up. And that's going to be at welcometosanditon.com. Um, Sanditon, not Sandition. That's a mistake that we all keep making and typing, and everybody keeps making and typing. Sure, it's it's a hard word. Every to, time. She, she should have yeah. just called the book Sandition. It be yeah. so much easier. Yeah. But it's so much more like, like you feel like it's on the bleak moors, and it's very, very depressing. But Sanditon is peppy and cozy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. It's a sandy town. Uh, well, it sounds great. Uh, it should be really cool. And good luck to you guys. Thanks for Thank being you. here, too. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now leaving Nerdist.com.